Welcome to On Top of PR with Jason Mudd, presented by ReviewMaxer. Hello, welcome to On Top of PR. I'm your host, Jason Mudd with Axia Public Relations. And today I'm joined by Dan Gaynor. He is the co-founder of Kelp Data, the first AI-powered platform for corporate reputation, which was acquired last year by Signal AI, uh, serving half of the Fortune 500 uh, Signal AI's data analytics platform, delivers industry reputation insights and benchmarks for hundreds of companies, enabling communication and marketing executives to shift through their strategies, capitalize on emerging opportunities, and mitigate risk. Wow, that's uh, awesome. Dan, welcome to the show. We are glad to have you today. How are you? Fantastic. Thanks for having me. Good, good, good. So you're the founder of Kelp Data, Signal Insight, or excuse me, Signal AI's first acquisition, and now you lead um, the insight division at Signal AI called Strategic Solutions. That's how correct. Did, how did you get into this line of work? What made? How did you uh, decide to start Kelp, and what were you doing before that? I'll give you a little bit of my career history, which yeah. was effectively a domino uh, of frustrations that we couldn't measure the mm -hmm. narrative impact that we were making with our communications across the omni-channel landscape. I got started as a presidential appointee in the Obama administration. I worked on foreign policy and my big project actually was the Ebola epidemic, helping individuals across the country understand that this was under control. And let me tell you, in terms of pandemics, Ebola, uh, far scarier than COVID. And then from mm. there, worked for the governor of Maryland, shaping a policy platform as he ran for president, then went to the private sector and helped start Nike's narrative team called their Narrative Center of Excellence, working for their CEO and their CCO, their CMO, and across the executive team to help craft a unifying narrative for one of the world's biggest brands. From there, I ended up starting a practice called Narrative Strategy and Analytics at Weber Shanwick and worked with everybody from IBM to Johnson & Johnson. And across all those experiences, from the US government to within the walls of Nike campus to consulting some of the world's biggest companies, I saw over and over again that every company really needs a narrative. They need this North Star for communications, but they have no idea how to use data to shape that strategy, let alone measure the impact of it, and of course, optimize as they proceed. So as a conversation shifts, how do you create a narrative that's differentiated versus all your competitors at a time where everybody wants to push out similar messages from sustainability and ESG to innovation and investor relations? Right. And uh, given that frustration, I quit my very comfortable job with a lot of consultation from my wife and teamed up with my co-founder, Shan, to start Kelp Data. Okay. That's a great journey. I appreciate it. I, that's how I got in the PR agency uh, business is frustrated with my experience as a client and looking for, you know, new and better ways to uh, provide PR solutions to companies like mine that I was employed by, who was just looking for the agencies deliver on, to, to deliver on what they promised and have some meat to go along with that sizzle that they were offering. So it's a good way of putting it. Yeah, yeah. Uh, so, hey, um, uh, we're here to talk about uh, AI for strategy, measurement, and monitoring. Uh, three topics that I love to talk about, maybe or four topics, I guess. So, um, Dan, when did you first start dabbling in AI? 
started dabbling in AI um, really in my time at Nike, right? And this was nascent. A lot of people would tell me when I started dabbling in AI, why do you need this big data stuff when we have surveys or focus groups or market research? So some of these legacy systems that people inherently trust because they've been around for decades were one of the big reasons that I wanted to start dabbling in AI. And anyone who's watched a recent presidential election understands that polls and surveys and market research have real limitations. They offer real value in offering that qualitative feedback, but real limitations in that I couldn't ask that many people about that many companies on that many topics, that many days in a row. And once a survey or a piece of market research was delivered to me, it was static. It was locked in time and it grew less relevant over time as we moved further and further away from the delivery date. And what AI helped us explore was the idea of indexing companies on their reputation versus not only their industry peers, but Mm -hmm. really across industries. Because as we now know, narratives themselves are competitive territories. IBM competes on being the leader in sustainable innovation against not only Microsoft, but say Tesla as well. And Coca-Cola wants to know how to be the industry leader in recycling and ESG just as much as a sales force, which of course is devoted 1% of its profits to being a purpose-driven company. So I wanted to understand what could we decode from companies, both adjacent to our business, but also aspirational peers, and then figure out the right ways to deploy a strategy against the findings and then check in with it to make sure that we're actually making impact over time. So I've been exploring AI for several years, teamed up with my co-founder four or five years ago, and we decided that once we met Signal AI, it was best to join forces because they have this world-class tech stack, data library, capabilities for the last 10 years that they've been building as an AI native company. And today we use that same technology to drive C-suite insights for some of the world's most sophisticated businesses. Nice. So going back to your uh, initial journey and dabbling in AI, what was the outcome? Uh, Did it go the way you expected? Did you get what you wanted? What were some of the early limitations? And just talk more about that. Did you get what you wanted? The key caveat is over what time span? I assure you, when we first started out, it was very unpredictable because what we were doing wasn't just indexing companies on topics. We had to train those topics, define those topics, and then score those topics. Yep. Yep. For example, when you say R&D, that means something incredibly different to Pfizer than it does to Ford. And so we had to create industry agnostic topics defined by human beings who would then train an AI to call back any piece of content across the world that that concept would relate to. And you can imagine that's very, very tricky when it gets to something like diversity and inclusion or sustainability or confidence in your investment horizon. And then you have to do it for industry specific topics. So within pharma, it could be about gene therapy or cell therapy within FMCG or CPG. um, It might be about sustainable manufacturing. So what we found over and over again was that the human being had an incredibly powerful role in shaping what the AI output would look like. And then we had to create a scoring system looking not just at the size of the conversation, the volume of it, but maybe the sentiment of it, 
the salience of how well your brand is mentioned versus others in a piece of content, and then weigh all that in a competitive environment that responded dynamically to the media coverage, the conversation that we were seeing in the marketplace. All of those components, as you might imagine, from training topics to creating the scoring system was a lot of trial and error, uh, all while we were early in our entrepreneur journey. What you're describing sounds like to me a common um, theme of challenges uh, facing companies who are entering into measurement and trying to measure PR. Um, and so I sense that you would agree there are some similarities. Absolutely. I mean, fundamentally, that's what we're doing. We wanted to understand what was the actual impact of a company's entire set of communications and business actions on their most valuable asset, which is their reputation. Mm -hmm. So that starts by quantifying reputation and normalizing it to compare across apples to apples, whether it's within your industry or across industries. And then we needed to decode why. We needed to be specific enough with the signals that we were surfacing so that we could come up with very actionable insights in terms of what messages, what channels, which executives, what conferences, you name it, to deploy again so that you could move your reputational needle more competitively across the landscape. And nowhere does this come to life more than in PR, comms, marketing, investor relations, ESG, and those sorts of things, which is really the sort of customer set that we serve. I imagine that AI and the AI tools that companies are starting to use and will be using in you know, five or 10 years from now will make this whole process much easier. Definitely. Well, we look at AI through two lenses. There's two families, so to speak, that we think about. And to be clear, AI has been around for a very long time. Mm -hmm. Some of this stuff is definitely even over my head. But there's generative AI, which has right. very much captured the conversation where it's effectively a prediction engine, right? Predict the next pixel to create this beautiful piece of art, predict the next word to write a great poem. That's why those generative AI platforms are very easy to interface with because it's natural language. You're simply typing questions, but yep. also are prone to hallucination. They're not necessarily always focused on accuracy. The AI family that we're really focused on here at Signal AI is called discriminative AI. It's okay. about making sure the data that you recall from the system is as accurate as possible. So for measurement, for monitoring, for strategy, for optimization of comm strategy across the board, discriminative AI is very helpful in understanding is what we're putting out into the world resonating? Of all the spaghetti we're throwing at the wall, what sticks and mm -hmm. where should we really lean into strengths and more importantly, deprioritize to act more efficiently? And we believe the future of AI for communications in particular is the fusion of those two families, right? A natural language interface where you're able to quite literally chat with the data through generative AI, but mm -hmm. with the trustworthiness of discriminative AI to ensure that the metrics, but also the content you're getting back from the data is as accurate as possible. Sure. Yeah, that's been the big challenge, I think, at least with the generative AI tools that most people are using uh, that are more consumer facing, if you will, or more end user facing is uh, the lack of, um, you know, uh, accuracy and um, reliability of the information that it's being that's being uh, generated back to you. Absolutely. Think about it this way. It's just a different part of your job. If you mm -hmm. want to save time with writing a press release or a blog post or, by the way, generative AI works well for creating PowerPoints these days. 
those are tools that you should absolutely use to amplify your impact and honestly just move faster. Mm -hmm. But if you want to understand what works, we have spent years upon years tweaking tools grounded in discriminative AI, which means, for example, training topics that very much become IP, training entities, which could be companies or people to make sure that we're calling, say, for example, Apple, the company data, not Apple, the fruit mentions right. on the internet. Right. And then thinking about different ways to do analysis. So it might be an analysis of how well an executive's communications are lifting up a company's reputation. It might be a topic deep dive where we look just at a competitive landscape or an individual topic, like how generative AI is going to disrupt your business. Or maybe we zoom all the way out to look at, say, 200 topics across 200 companies. And in that horizon scan, understand what risks, but also what opportunities pop up. So you can navigate around icebergs that might affect your competitors, but also seize opportunities while there's still a white space. And I believe that AI is the only way that you can get to the necessary level of breadth and depth. What I mean by that is breadth, which means being able to scan the entire environment, very hard to do in a survey, and depth, getting that real deep, highly specific insight, not into a high level ethereal topic, say like we should be more sustainable, but zooming into a very, very specific subtopic within it, say like off-grid renewable energy, to make sure that we're focused on the most authentic proof points that our business can possibly offer, regardless of what industry we're in and regardless of what channel we're pushing it out on. Okay. So Dan, when your organization is working with clients, um, are you, how, what kind of, what's your process and, and what's their user experience like? Uh, is, are they purchasing software from you? Are they purchasing consulting for you from your organization? Is it a combination? Help me understand that a little bit more. Sure. We're typically offering three things here at Signal AI, monitoring, reports, and dashboards. From a monitoring standpoint, Signal AI is well-respected and well-regarded for having one of the world's best media monitoring platforms. Understand it's a very commoditized and competitive space, but Signal AI being AI native allows us to have an incredible grasp of a very impressive global data library. Signal collects about 2 billion media data points a year, ranging from paywalled sources like the Financial Times down to small local industry outlets, tens of thousands of podcasts, broadcasts, blogs, forums, even social. So very authoritative on the what's going on piece of, piece of things. And then as you scale up, we think about reputation analysis from two formats. There's dashboards, which allow you to understand relative to your industry, how well you're performing. So we'll rank you versus your competitors, not okay. only overall, but down to pillars like innovation and within those particular topics, say like R&D, IP, operations, manufacturing, and quite literally hundreds of other ones. Okay. And then the real hero product for executives happens to be reports. We understand that the C-suites we serve are quite busy, so we'll create analysis reports at various layers of depth and various cadences. So a typical engagement with us might look like, say, four quarterly reputation reports, four quarterly topic deep dive reports into a particular area of focus, a set of dashboards to help you understand where your reputation sits relative to the industry, and also a media monitoring tool so that you can stay on top of the drumbeat of news affecting both your business, your industry, and your aspirational peers. 
Excellent. And so uh, we'll be back with more with Dan. We'll be talking about uh, trends and narratives and messaging and the importance of that and how we can use those things in the business of communication. So with that, we'll be right back on the other side uh, with more On Top of PR. You're listening to On Top of PR with your host, Jason Mudd. Jason is a trusted advisor to some of America's most admired and fastest growing brands. He is the managing partner at Axia Public Relations, a PR agency that guides news, social, and web strategies for national companies. And now, back to the show. Welcome back to On Top of PR, where we're talking about discriminative AI for strategy, measurement, and monitoring. We're joined by guest Dan Gaynor. Dan, welcome back and uh, appreciate you being here. Um, I know we want to talk a little bit about narrative and messaging. We want to talk about some trends and what we're seeing in the future uh, and a couple other things in the short amount of time we have left. So, Dan, what does every company need? Uh, why does every company need a narrative? Well, either you define your narrative or the marketplace defines it for you. Right. A narrative, to be clear, the way I define it is it's a North Star for communications. It is a batch of a select group of deep storylines that your company will continue to campaign on month after month, quarter after quarter, year over year. And these storylines are buffeted by proof points from the business. So for example, your innovation storyline for Q1 will be very different than it is in Q4 because the products you're coming out with are different. Mm -hmm. But what's key is that you have consistency in the marketplace. And without that consistency, you allow your competitors, the industry, the media, to define what your company stands for. And today, there is nothing more important in terms of managing reputation than knowing clearly and consistently what you stand for as a brand. Yeah, absolutely. I totally agree with that. So how do you go about crafting a narrative? And ultimately, how do you go about measuring it, Dan? Well, you know me, I'm a big believer in data. What I believe you need to do is scan the horizon, map yourself across hundreds of topics and dozens of peers to understand how you are actually perceived, not your own internal message grid, not your own internal communications priorities, but have a most accurate mirror possible of how you are reflecting in the actual public consciousness. How are you perceived in the public marketplace in other worlds? So that's where the data comes in. And then from there, you have to figure out where are your opportunities and where are your risks? So where are those white spaces where we can plant our flag and be ahead of the rest of the industry? What are the battlegrounds where there's the biggest spotlight on a given topic that we can actually go toe to toe with the heavy hitters and compete in? And what are those landmines? What are those emerging risks that we need to steer clear of? All of that can be mapped to topics and scored with a scoring system powered by AI. In other words, data from end to end, from strategy creation to monitoring the success of that strategy to optimizing areas of weakness in the strategy. Nice, nice. Uh, so <clears throat> what does the future of creating, measuring, and optimizing a corporate narrative look like? I believe it's one about talent. So it's bringing data savvy folks into the communications function. Now, listen, like most people in comms, I failed algebra multiple times. <laughs> so I'm not necessarily the world's PhD on data, but I will say being data driven is absolutely essential 
we no longer have to rely on gut instinct and sticking our finger in the wind to guess what messages might resonate. We truly can use data to operate more efficiently, to put fewer, deeper messages out into the marketplace. And that starts with having the talent on your team to both procure and activate on data insights. The second thing is to have a data system that's customized to you, whether that's a custom batch of topics unique to your narrative, or it's tracking multiple channels that matter most to you. For example, executive channels or investor relations channels. And then the last but probably most important thing here has actually very little to do with data. It's behavior change. One of the things that we've seen is that data is not just a thermometer. It is a guide in terms of how to act. And the most successful organizations deploying our insights are the ones that take them, have a strategy meeting right after, and operationalize them across functions. HR, you own this messaging on talent because it popped up as highly resonant. Comms, here's your PR plan. Marketing, here's how this would inform your campaigns. Investor relations, here's how you should use earnings as an editorial moment. And data can be the connective tissue, the convening force, the reason for that behavior change across an entire organization. Awesome. Great answer. I really like that. Um, okay. So a couple of uh, little bonus questions here at the end that I wanted to cover with you. And thank you for your, uh, your quick answers so we can get to these. Um, what trends are you seeing right now um, in, in your mind uh, that our audience would be interested in? Very interesting. So what we do at here at Signal AI is we are scanning hundreds of companies across hundreds of topics and scoring them dynamically in real time from a immense global data set of about 2 billion data points a year sourced from 200 or so countries and 75 languages. So we have a really good sense of what's shaping reputation. Some of the trends that I'm seeing is that greenwashing uh, when it comes to presenting yourself as a purpose-driven organization is now a bigger reputational threat than ever. The companies that are operationalizing sustainable operations, whether that's like greener manufacturing or investment in, in renewable energy, uh, those companies that are actually acting on their purpose-driven commitments, that is a real differentiator. Also, when it comes to innovation, we're seeing that the old days of having big promising visions are somewhat dissipating. You need to demonstrate how your innovation is going to make uh, the lives of your consumers, your patients, your, your business customers better immediately today. So be a bit more tangible. The last one I would say is that executives are having as big an impact as ever. We've long known about the power of executive communications, but when mm -hmm. we map hundreds and hundreds of topics, executives are top five in terms of a topic that lifts a company's reputation. If you're not putting your C-suite out there, you absolutely should be doing more of that. Yeah, I totally agree. The thought leadership and the executive communications, uh, I think, are incredibly important. And they really became uh, companies seem to become more aware of this leadership. We seem to become more aware of this, I think, during the pandemic. So, you know, we were being asked about more and more about internal communication than ever before and the importance of it. And obviously, uh, you know, the uncertainty of that environment was very important. So and Dan, just for our audience, you're, you're reminding me of a quote that I like to use inside the agency, which is, if we have data on this, let's follow the data. If we don't have data, let's follow your recommendations. And I love the idea that, you know, maybe one day everything we do can be powered by data instead of just gut instincts. Well, I'll uh, counter with another quote, which is yeah. from former New York City uh, Mayor Mike Bloomberg. He said, in God we trust and everyone else bring data. Yeah, exactly. And yeah. 
I think that if we can make data accessible to people, which is the big focus of, of what we're doing here at Signal AI, we can make it your daily newspaper. We can make it your operating system. Right. It doesn't mean you have to know how to code, but it does mean that you'll know how to take an insight yep. into action. And if we can rinse and repeat across omnichannel communications from the smallest bit of messaging to the big annual report, to the huge campaign for the year, we can lift your narrative relative to your peers in a much more efficient and effective way, regardless of what industry you're in from pharma to finance. Yeah, yeah. Uh, just yesterday I was tuning into sports radio I wasn't listening long enough to know who they were talking to, but it clearly was a coach. It sounded like an NFL coach. And he was saying how one reason he doesn't want to coach anymore is how it's all analytics driven and how it's all data driven. And that's just not how he wants to coach. And I thought to myself, could he be successful and continue in that? And I'm like, no, probably not. You know, probably not. And, uh, you know, there's there's I never want to devalue gut and instinct and experience and, and human interaction. But, you know, he's right. I mean, we're moving more and more towards a data and analytical driven, um, you know, decision making process. And uh, it's impacting, I think, everything from uh, for good or bad, from music to sports and entertainment to business. Yeah, you know, it's interesting for us because we mostly work with chief communications officers, chief marketing officers and CEOs. Mm -hmm. And one of the things that I've seen is that there still is an incredible amount of value for people who are long tenured in the industry, those senior executives who came up at a time when data wasn't as readily available and certainly AI wasn't uh, as well. We understand that what we're doing is providing the really accurate reflection of what's going on but it's entirely up to them in terms of what to do about it. So we want to be an independent and honest reflection of your perception in the marketplace. But how you choose to attack those opportunities is as much of the samurai ninja sort of approach as you would ever need. So I'm very excited about the partnership we forged with those senior executives who both understand the value of our data, but also bring incredible skills to bear in terms of deploying it uh, in ways that they know would resonate best across the omnichannel landscape. And that's why we continue to bring that human focus, whether it's real human experts training our topics or real human analysts uh, gut checking and qualifying our data to make sure that it's not just what the machine tells you, it has to be translated through the creativity and the capabilities of a skilled human being. Yeah, yeah, absolutely. All right. so. Um... Tell me, um, it's three years from now, uh, where do you see um, you know, your business and its offerings? Where do you see uh, the consumer facing uh, you know, um, generative AI space? Like, What can we expect to see in three years from now in, in your mind? Well, I can speak to our vision for our business, which is to be an intelligence engine for an entire enterprise. Right now, for example, we are doing some really exciting and sophisticated work in risk analysis. So to look across risks ranging from natural disasters to corruption and fraud to uh, upheaval in the global economy to help companies across functions, moving from say comms and marketing to general counsels and chief financial officers and chief operation officers to help them understand the best way to mitigate and navigate around emerging risks that might present themselves, particularly 
to large global interconnected enterprises. So I'm very excited about the ability to use AI and data to inform a much broader array of C-suite decisions than just the comms and marketing angle. We're doing a ton of that work right now. About 20% of our work is in the risk portfolio and I would expect that to grow quite substantially. I think going forward, we're going to see that talent is necessarily going to have to demonstrate that they're AI native or at least AI conversant in terms of being able to get a better job or a promotion. And then the last thing I would say is that we're going to continue, this is my hot take, we're going to continue to see the need for human beings to partner with AI. I'm optimistic that AI won't necessarily create massive job losses in the near-term future, but instead will be a real partner to free up people, real human beings, from time-intensive tasks that they yes. may want to reposition themselves in terms of their day-to-day -day life. So for example, instead of spending an hour writing that press release, maybe you spend five minutes editing that. And the real question will be, what do you do with the other 55 minutes of your time? I think the most successful organizations will be the ones that encourage that free 55 minutes to be devoted towards learning, education, teaching, and training so that they can continuously upskill their workforce. Mm. Yeah, I love the idea of constant improvement. Uh, it's one of our core values here at Axia, so I can get behind that for sure. Um, that's great. Uh, so when we're thinking about your solution, um, you know, what are maybe, you know, uh, the buckets of spend that companies are spending on something like this now or a watered down version that they could maybe pivot uh, their dollars over towards uh, what you're offering? Sure. Well, we offer the span of, of price points and offerings to make sure that we're always offering a very custom solution for mm -hmm. customers. So this could be all the way down to a couple thousand bucks on media monitoring to a much larger, say, seven-figure deal with a large enterprise. So mm -hmm. it's a huge array. The key thing that AI allows us to do is to be custom. We can answer any sort of custom brief, whether it's a competitor deep dive or a broad horizon scan. The way that different customers access our stuff are mainly through dashboards and reports. So on the dashboard side of things, would you like to have, for example, uh, standard industry scan, or would you want to have a more custom API powered dashboard with your own scoring system, your own inputs, your own topics, and your own competitive set? And then from the report standpoint, do you want to have a big, broad horizon scan of what's shaping reputation, or do you want to go super deep into a case study on an emerging competitor or an upcoming event or a nascent technology that might disrupt your business? So very much depends on the company and their interests. But what we have seen over and over is that if we can synthesize the insights, if we can make them simple enough, that enhances the ability to use them, the actionability of data, so to speak. And that's really what we're focused on in the future, making sure that our AI is as flexible as it needs to be to match the custom brief of your needs. We're excited about the future. So would you describe your solution as um, replacing or complementing a company's existing media monitoring provider? Well, on the easier end of the spectrum, Signal AI has in my view, world-class media monitoring solutions that are AI native, not an AI wrapper, but something that's grounded right. in 10 years of AI innovation. And right. if you're looking for a media monitoring solution, I strongly encourage you to take a look at Signal AI. Where the strategic solutions end of Signal AI, the division that I lead with my co-founder comes to life, is 
we are freeing folks up from, say, using an agency that's stuck in an old world of working. So like a old school sort of survey or market research or focus group approach, because as soon as those surveys are done, they are growing less accurate over time. We can't right. go back and sure. interrogate that data. So people will often pair us up together. They'll have the media monitoring piece. They'll have the insights piece, but they'll also have the activation piece. To be clear, we're not a PR firm, so we don't pitch op-eds, do media activations, create campaigns, help you sponsor an event. We're just here to be this independent, very accurate mirror of how you are perceived in the marketplace. We're here to tell you what resonates and what doesn't, and then it's up to you in terms of how to activate. So the best way to use this, I think, is to match us up with, say, a activation partner like an agency or an in-house comms team, as well as a monitoring partner, whether that's signal AI monitoring or another solution that you might have in the marketplace. And okay. what that allows you to do is understand the spectrum of reputation from weather to climate. Climate right. is something that changes slowly, but permanently. That's what we're here to study. Weather is the drumbeat of the daily news. That's what monitoring and agencies are there to do. Yeah. Yeah. That makes a lot of sense to me. So in theory, um, agencies and uh, you know corporate comm departments could engage your firm uh, and and you know repurpose the dollars they're spending on traditional media monitoring. Absolutely, they could position um, they could reposition funds from multiple sources. That could be a survey, a focus yep. group, uh, market research, competitor analysis, uh, consulting services, agency providers, etc. The ones that I've seen that are most effective are the ones that are equipped to move insight to action. So they procure our services. We provide very specific insights, but whether it's internally with a comms team that has the numbers and the resources to deploy against those insights or externally with an agency that has the equipment to actually go push messaging out to the world, they've got to be prepared to take the insights and move them to action. Otherwise, we're just a really interesting idea I want to see those ideas deployed in the real world. The most successful clients we're working with are not only armed to move insight into action, but then do it month over month, quarter over quarter, creating right. an engine for how to optimize data-driven communications across functions, whether right. it's HR or investor relations or comms or marketing. Is there a company or organization type that wouldn't make a good fit for you and your services? That's a good question. I think it just depends on what your ambitions are, right? If you're looking to stay largely behind the scenes, we've seen that perhaps maybe this isn't as useful to you. If you're, mm -hmm. for example, one of those financial firms that like doesn't even have a website because you're <laughs> such a secretive hedge fund, right. maybe we're not the best fit. But even then we're finding a lot of companies just wanna quietly scan the forest, so to speak, to understand where to strategically enter into the conversation even if they don't have a huge volume of conversation that they personally want to create. And we certainly work quite well with some of the larger enterprises out there. Uh, as I mentioned earlier, we're working at various uh, Fortune 500s across the world. And whether it's in medical devices or entertainment or consumer goods or finance or pharmaceuticals, we've seen that the AI can be highly, highly specific in giving them insights that are very relevant to their business. So we've seen that that's resonated quite well. 
All right, Dan, I appreciate that. So uh, I'm sure our audience has really enjoyed this conversation. I'm sure they have questions for you and, um, you know, interest in connecting, maybe even exploring uh, Signal AI for them for their own organization. How might they best reach out to you should they have those interests? I think the best way would just be to reach out directly. If you've made it this far on the podcast, well, you have more patience listening to my voice than my own wife. So I appreciate that. Email me directly. I'm at dan.gainer at signal-ai.com or feel free to go on the Signal AI website and enter in the form and uh, just mention you want to chat with me. One of the most fun parts of my job is continuing to network with prospective customers and then working with our customers. I love that relationship that I'm able to form with other senior comms and marketing execs to help them craft a strategy to shape reputation. So again, feel free to reach out to me directly, dan.gainer, G-A-Y-N-O-R, at signal-ai.com. Perfect. Dan, we're wrapping up. We're almost done. Anything, closing comments, anything else you want to share with our audience today? Yeah, I will add one thing, which is, um, like I mentioned earlier, I was not a great math student. In fact, I think I might have been the worst math student in the history of my high school. So thank you, Belmont Hill, for keeping me in, in school. And one of the things that I've seen is I'm, as I meet comms and marketing folks, they're a little nervous that data might either question their hard-earned wisdom or let alone question their authority. And what I would say is that we are now entering a phase of using data and AI where it can really be your best friend in the job. It can mm -hmm. be your best tool to help you get promoted. It can be the most accurate mirror to reflect your impact. It can be the most efficient way to clear mess off your desk and really focus on the key priorities. And whether it's engaging with Signal AI or it's just embracing some of the nascent AI tools out there for monitoring and measurement, I would just strongly encourage communicators to get on the wagon right now, not just to fit in with the trend, but because it can really clear up hours from your day and help you make a larger impact on your organization, whatever business or nonprofit you might be in. So hopefully my story can assure you that if I can do it and start a company around this, uh, you certainly can uh, adopt these technologies because chances are you're much better at math than I am. <laughs> I don't know about that, Dan, because I struggled with algebra as well. But uh, to that end, I'll just echo yes and back to what you just said, which is a lot of times I will hear from marketing departments, uh, leaders or PR department leaders, exactly what you said, which is, you know, that in your case, you're talking about how AI is helping you raise, um, you know, their abilities, the value they're bringing and the insights they have to the organization. I see where the same, you know, I make the same case. If you hire an outside agency, that will allow you and your team to elevate and, uh, you know, focus on the big picture and be more available to your leadership team as an advisor uh, and, uh, and, 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 and the like. So an agency allows you to work at a higher level at times, depending on how your department's organized. And sometimes people look at the agency as a, you know, threat to their employment or their job. Well, you know, I've had people say, well, if I need to hire an outside agency, then, you know, what am I doing here? And it's like, imagine if you didn't have to worry about the pitching, the media, the crafting, the messaging, the tracking of, uh, you know, uh, media monitoring and trends. And you had an agency doing that for you. 
how much more of your time would you be available to think at a high level, be available to advise your senior leadership team and be a lot more strategic in your daily work? And I haven't met a company or client who says, I don't want that, right? Everybody wow. says, yeah, I really do want that. And so I, I think we're kind of describing a similar situation where people are sometimes motivated by fear or whatever it might be, where really these are tools and resources to help them do a better job and raise their profile and raise the value they're providing to their employer and organization. Yeah, if you've ever heard that phrase, the future is here, it's just not evenly distributed yet. What you're saying very much resonates with that quote. The future of constructing a 21st century comms department cascades both to the agency side and the data and technology side. Mm -hmm. And if you can get your organization to operate in a more efficient manner by offloading the components that other partners would be best suited to serve with yes. real experts on your team to oversee Expert. those yep. um, then what you end up having, and we've seen this in our client engagements, is uh, in our case, a data-driven comms organization that's very clear in terms of what it asks the agency to do. So the agency can operate in a more strategic way, but also candidly build less hours. And yep. then internally, they've got a single source of truth to quantify the impact of their strategy. So rather than saying, gut instinct, I'm glad we landed these three articles, we yep. can zoom out and say, hey, definitively, what actually made a dent in our reputation, regardless yes. of the perceived prestige of an individual outlet, or how many hours the agency worked on it. And that allows everybody to really up level the game and only focus on really more strategic priorities, instead of the day to day rote work that, um, while sometimes necessary, doesn't need to dominate your life. Yeah, excellent. Dan, I think we could keep talking for hours, uh, but I know we both need to get back to our busy day and so does our audience. Thank you so much for being here. This has been a great episode and I really appreciate it. I'm glad we connected for this and look forward to continuing the conversation with you. Thanks so much for having me. Great to be on the show. My pleasure. I was glad you were here and I was glad to be here as well. So with that, uh, I want to thank our audience for their loyalty and their uh, listenership and viewership of On Top of PR. I hope we've done a good job today of helping our, our audience and helping you, the listener, stay on top of PR. That's our goal here with every episode. And with that, we want to thank Dan and Bree for their help putting this episode together. And uh, if there's any questions you have, please feel free to reach out to myself or Dan. We'd love to hear from you. Please be sure to mention to Dan when you uh, connect with him that you heard about him or his organization on, on Top of PR with Jason Mudd. And with that, this is Jason Mudd signing off. Be well and wishing you much success in your endeavors. This has been On Top of PR with Jason Mudd, presented by ReviewMaxer. Be sure to subscribe so you don't miss an episode. And check out past shows at ontopofpr.com.